Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Tuesday, October 6th. And you know what? We are rolling up our sleeves and getting busy answering your questions. If you've got something on your mind about your financial life, all you need to do is send us an email. Very easy. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Or if on, you're on the website, or if you're on the website, click the contact button. It's in the upper right corner. And uh, let us know what's up, how we can help you out. And of course, if you have a pet of any kind, send us a photo. You might be actually added to the furry fan club. All right. Michael writes, I am a first time listener to your show and I really like it. Hey, how awesome is that? Did you happen to see what his email address is, Mark? It's hysterical. He seems to be a football fan. That's all I can say. Michael writes, I'm currently 54 and I'm looking to retire in four to five years. I have worked for a good company for the last 24 years. My wife is 51 and she has a long-term illness, MS. Oh no, I hate that. It's terrible. This started over 15 years ago. She has collected social security disability since 2018 and I am her primary caregiver. We are debt-free. We own our home. It's worth $220,000 and our car. We have no credit card debt or anything else, just basic expenses of about $5,000 a month. I make $175,000, my wife's social security disability, $28,000. This is just, I mean, I always feel like my heart sinks around this kind of a, of a diagnosis because it's just, it's so awful. Listen to this email. His wife is 51. She was diagnosed with this out of the blue 15 years ago. So this is not to say you should live your life as if you're going to get diagnosed with a bad disease, but you never know. So that's one of the reasons why we do try to tell you as early as you can in your work life, in your financial life to manage things as if you were going to hopefully live long, but you never know what could happen in the near term. So, oh brother. Anyway. Michael says, I've increased my contributions to retirement since paying off our house. I max out my 401k to $26,000 pre-tax, and I'm investing approximately $50,000 a year after tax in regular accounts, which I started back in March. My investments are 60% stocks, 30% bonds, 10% cash. Seems reasonable. I have a lump sum pension of $590,000 to $650,000, which I can take as an annuity no annual increase for the cost of living. 
uh, for approximately $28,000 a year. I plan on taking the lump sum. We have $950,000. The majority of it is pre-tax. I have company health insurance after retirement until Medicare kicks in. And then my company pays for Medicare supplements with a current allowance of $4,300 for each. That's amazing. Okay. In Illinois, when you, this must be where he lives, in Illinois, when you retire, you do not pay state income tax on your retirement and conversions. Therefore, I plan on converting some of the 401k money to Roth when I retire, though not all of it. Okay, question. I'm investing pre-tax instead of through a Roth and taking the dollars not spent on taxes and contribute it into an after-tax account. I will wait for full retirement age before taking Social Security at 67 years old. It amounts to $36,000. The only wild card, my wife's illness, which we will have to self-fund any long-term care for her if needed. I'm looking for your thoughts and any avenues I have not yet considered. It seems like you've considered quite a bit. I wouldn't actually do the pre-tax anymore, probably, because you have so much of your money already in pre-tax. I mean, I I don't think it's really necessary to go crazy one way or the other, but I don't know. It would be fine just to rev up that non-retirement account even more or even have some Roth money. Maybe, maybe I would, you know, because you're in the 24% tax bracket, I just feel like you could probably be just fine using the Roth version of 401k for now. And you'd stay in the 24% tax bracket because in a few years, I don't know where taxes are going to go, but it could go higher. And converting is great, but it's kind of easier to do it this way. I also think that the idea of because you don't know what's happening here and the wild card that you put out there, maybe, maybe I would be careful just to keep a little bit more money in cash especially in the non-retirement accounts, because you never know when you might need to access cash. And uh, finally, I'm sure that you've had all of your estate planning done, but I would be remiss in not reminding you to please make sure that you do that as well. Okay, here is a message from Faye, who's got to make financial decisions about her 91-year-old mother. I need help and welcome your input. Mom is 91 lives in the California home she purchased over 50 years ago. That, unfortunately, has a sizable reverse mortgage balance. I'd like her to move closer to me. Uh, And for the last several months, I've done research, met with realtors, investment companies, trying to make the best right decisions as her power of attorney. But issue after issue keeps popping up. And frankly, I'm beyond overwhelmed. I've come to the point where I'm like a deer in the headlights. I'd appreciate your help. Thank you in advance for your consideration. I don't know if you are finding the problems because of the the reverse mortgage or something else. So that's number one. If it's the reverse mortgage, then what I would try to do is go to a fee-only financial planner who will help you. That's what I would do. And lay this out for you because it's very upsetting to have to deal with these reverse mortgages on your own. You need help. So check out NAPFA, N-A-P-F-A dot org, the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. Give that a shot and let us know how it goes. Okay, this is a message from someone who turned 60, is single. She says, I'm renting. It's just 900 bucks a month, including utilities. I want to transfer my 401k to an IRA because I want to buy a house. Hmm. Right now, 401k is worth $200,000. I'm thinking of taking half of it out to pay for a small house. 
I was unemployed this year because of COVID. I'm going back to work. Um, should I put it in a Roth and pay the tax now or a traditional IRA? Okay. So first of all, number one, if you have money outside of your retirement account and you can pay the tax that would be due by converting it and you're in a very low tax bracket, this is a great idea. But using that money to buy a house is not a great idea because I am worried that you are going to use up your liquidity, meaning your access to cash. So yes to the Roth, no to using all of this money for a home. I would keep renting. I know that's a drag, but that's, uh, I think, the best advice for you. I don't like it when people are using the, the available funds for them that are liquid and tying them up into non-liquid assets. That's a no-no. Okay, here's a message from Michael. During a recent episode, somebody mentioned they didn't have enough money for Vanguard, which led me to my question. What's the difference between having my money at Merrill Edge, which is like their discount or robo-advisor, direct advisor program, and investing in a Vanguard fund, and the actual investing in the Vanguard fund, which may have a minimum? Thanks. Love the show, Michael. Well, it may be that you have an extra fee that's part of that Merrill Edge account. So, you know, a lot of times the fees come out in nefarious ways, but a lot of times they're just, they're stated. You have to look for it. So find out what the fee is. My guess is that if you have this account at Merrill and it's still cheap, that's fine. You know, great. You can keep it there and you may even be getting a little bit of advice from somebody. So that's fine too. Okay. This is from Thomas who says, thanks to you and Mark for the podcast, just the right length. And I appreciate you going daily since March. I'd like your thoughts on our capital gains situation. I'm 67. My spouse is 64. We're both retired and live in the good life. We've got approximately $2.3 million in qualified savings, $2.1 million in a taxable account. There is a $1.4 million long-term capital gain in the taxable account. We have no debt. We own our single family home with a pension, social security, and dividends from the taxable account. We bring in more than we spend, except if we do a big trip or two a year. Ah, the good old days. Okay. The original plan has been to roll over as much, or I guess he means convert, as much of the 401k to a Roth to get us just below the Medicare threshold each year. We figured if we never spent down the taxable accounts, our two adult children would inherit the stepped up rate and the long-term capital gain would disappear. If Biden wins in November, part of the tax plan would eliminate the step up in cost basis. And additionally, if the Senate goes to Democrats, they would want to mark to market capital gains every year. Okay, so question. If Biden and the Democrats win big on November 3rd, should we revise our strategy and liquidate the long-term capital gain before the end of the year? Huh. I've calculated we trigger a tax bill just north of 400 grand. I'd wait 30 days and buy back the same mutual fund since I think the investment's still a good one. The alternative is to not worry about it. Assume the tax law will change many more times before we leave the earth. Thanks again for the podcast. We listen every day. Tom is in Florida. I would not try to game this out. I would really not. I think, first of all, let's see what happens in the outcome of the election, and then we will have more information but my inclination is that unless we know for sure what's happening, it's hard for me to go ahead and pay 400 grand in taxes. I just feel like you're asking for a problem potentially. I'm not saying there will be a problem. I'm just saying 
it is really tough to game out what could happen in tax policy anyway. And, uh, you know, I, I think that is true, that there will be a lot of different changes in the tax law. If you wanted to do a little bit and free up some cash, that's fine. But really, you got a lot of money. Kids are going to inherit a lot of money. I think you'd be fine. All right. All right. That's it. That's the show. If you would like to send us a question, all you have to do is fire up your email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. You can always go to the website, jillonmoney.com, and there you can read all the columns that we write and listen to past shows and watch some TV segments. Check out our resource section. You may even want to sign up for our free weekly newsletter right there, right on the front of the website. You can do it, jillonmoney.com. And as you're poking around and you have a question, there's a contact button that's there. As always, we like to remind you to wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing, and please put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. You will lift somebody up and you too will feel better for doing so. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.